the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The UK Prime Minister Liz Truss resigns, marking the shortest run in British political history. I think you're going to see conservatives in the House of Commons really scrambling to find a successor. The CDC panel unanimously votes to add COVID vaccine to the list of recommended child vaccines. It essentially immunizes the company that makes it from lawsuits. We take a look ahead toward the midterm elections with hotair.com's Ed Morrissey. So I think if you're above 25, it's a, it's a really good cycle for Republicans. And if you're above 35, it's a, it's a wipeout for, for Democrats. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, October 21st. I'm Mike Scott. On Thursday, British Prime Minister Liz Truss resigned as Prime Minister after just 45 days in office. I came into office at a time of great economic and international instability. Families and businesses were worried about how to pay their bills. Putin's illegal war in Ukraine threatens the security of our whole continent. And our country has been held back for too long by low economic growth. I was elected by the Conservative Party with a mandate to change this. We delivered on energy bills and on cutting national insurance. And we set out a vision for a low-tax, high-growth economy that would take advantage of the freedoms of Brexit. I recognise, though, given the situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party. I have therefore spoken to His Majesty the King to notify him that I am resigning as leader of the Conservative Party. The announcement came after a tumultuous term marred by economic policies that roiled financial markets and a rebellion in her political party that obliterated her authority. Truss became the third Conservative Prime Minister to be toppled in as many years. And she will go down as the shortest-serving leader in British history. Her resignation extends the instability that has shaken Britain since it broke off from the EU and leaves its leadership in limbo as the country faces a cost-of-living crisis and a looming recession. Reactions from across Britain poured in like this British citizen who says Britain's political turmoil is terrible. We don't know where we're going now, what's, no. what's going to happen. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there's people in this country worrying about how to pay their fuel bills yeah. and Everything. buy food. And yeah. we haven't even got a prime minister now. No. Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon says Prime Minister Truss's resignation is a symptom of an almighty mess her Conservative Party has created. There must be a general election. It is a democratic necessity. The idea that the Tories can 
unite behind a Prime Minister now, uh, any Prime Minister, let alone one that is in the public interest, I think is for the birds. Reporter Julia Manchester of The Hill says the move shows just how tumultuous British politics have become post-Brexit. This is just evidence of really a post-Brexit world in the United Kingdom and really how much turmoil there is in British politics. You know, after David Cameron resigned, um, you know, after the Brexit vote took place and then we saw Theresa May, Boris Johnson, Liz Truss, we have seen absolute turmoil really happen in UK politics. And I think it is worrying for a lot of British people and people following British politics because they are no longer a part of this economic ecosystem that is the European Union. They are now essentially on their own. There does not seem to be a trade deal with the United States that is being reached anytime soon. They are dealing with the Northern Ireland protocol in terms of how to deal with a country that is bordering um, you know, the UK and the European Union. How does trade work there? We know that there are, ta- there are talks of independence uh, movements in uh, countries such as Scotland within the United Kingdom. So such a tumultuous time here, you know, in that country right now. And I think it has a lot of people in the UK worried about the future. And to to quote the very popular uh, TikTok meme, I think a lot of us in the US and around the world are asking the question, what on earth is happening in the House of Commons right now? Manchester explains that Truss's short-lived stint as prime minister was fraught with complications from the beginning. She was trying to implement something that was uh, called trussonomics, if you will, something that was very much about slashing taxes, implementing quite a bit of fiscal conservatism. However, as Mitch uh, said in his rundown of the situation, there were all these questions as to how the UK was going to pay for this, especially when you had record inflation, you have these questions of trade deals and what an independent UK looks like from the European Union. So there didn't really seem to be a plan in place. And you saw her finance minister resign just days ago. Manchester goes on to say that the Conservative Party needs to save face with the British people at this point. So right now, I think you're going to see conservatives in the House of Commons really scrambling to find a successor for Liz Truss. I think they want to find someone who is more popular than she is. You know, I'm looking at uh, some of her polling numbers that showed her in the negatives in the United Kingdom. So for the conservative party, really, to save face at this point, they need to find someone who is better standing with the British people. Because right now, I would say that the party as a whole is really sinking in its popularity and losing credibility. A fresh round of sanctions have been leveled against Iran from Britain and the EU over providing drones that Russia has used to strike battlefields and civilian targets in Ukraine. According to major reporting, the sanctions will target the company that makes the drones and three Iranian generals. Leland Vittert of News Nation says that Russia receiving aid from Iran shows how desperate Russia is. It's stunning, really, in the sense that the mighty Russian army, okay, that was going to take over uh, Western Europe uh, during the Cold War is now uh, getting help from the Iranians because their weapon systems are so poor in Russia that they're bringing in these cheap Iranian drones. It, It speaks to the desperation of Vladimir Putin. The worrisome part would have been, uh, 
and continues to be, the more desperate Vladimir Putin is, uh, the more willing he is to do extreme things. And we've seen this uh, in the past uh, from him in this kind of behavior. And he continues always down the path that he learned in the KGB, which is to, to double down uh, and to continue uh, to, to go down a more dangerous path, which uh, for someone who has nuclear weapons uh, is a worrisome thing. Vinner goes on to say that there are things the Biden administration could do to keep Iran from helping Russia, but they're just not doing it. Probably doesn't change the fact that the United States is providing weapons and air defenses and the like to the Ukrainians. What it does change, though, is the U.S. calculus on the world stage. And what's very interesting is for as angry as President Biden has been about the Russian involvement uh, in Ukraine and the war on Ukraine, uh, he's pretty hands-off on those helping the Russians, right? Uh, we have not seen uh, an air an air embargo or an oil blockade or some kind of quarantine of Iran. We've not seen really drastic sanctions on the Iranians. In fact, we haven't even seen real support, Nicole, as you and I have talked about, uh, about the protesters in Iran. Mm -hmm. Any of those things would help destabilize the Iranian regime and keep them from helping Putin. Vinnert explains that while the U.S. is sending Ukraine another aid package, America's own stockpile of weaponry is growing low. Uh, that we're starting to hear, uh, and it's questions that we asked back in March and April, which is it's great we're sending all of these weapons to Ukraine, the Stingers and the Javelins that have been taking on the Russians, uh, some, some of the other uh, HIMARS, the high-mobility uh, rockets and short-range rocket systems that we've sent over uh, to the Ukrainians. The problem is, is that we're starting to run out of them uh, here in the United States, and it's not like ordering uh, Coke at Walmart. Uh, making these systems and making these very precision munitions uh, takes a long time. And there's real questions now, Nicole, that if we had to fight a war, we mean in the United States, say, with Iran, if we were to try and help Israel uh, during a war, and at the same time had to fight China uh, over Taiwan, the U.S. simply doesn't have the munitions, the ammunition, to do it. Vaccine scientists voted unanimously to add COVID-19 shots to the list of recommended vaccinations for adults and children on Thursday. While the decision will have no immediate effect, it does put the shots on an annually updated formal list of what doctors should give their patients on a routine basis. The panel's decisions are almost always adopted by the CDC director and then sent on to doctors as part of the government's advice on how to prevent disease. Robbie Suave of the web-based television newscast Rising says that what's most disturbing to him is that with being added to the list, the manufacturers of the COVID vaccines are shielded from any lawsuits. I believe that doesn't... Um absolutely mean it's mandated necessarily that's still up to local jurisdictions although there are probably many jurisdictions who just say what's ever on this childhood mm -hmm. list is is mandated that list protects if that if vaccines on that list it essentially immunizes the company that makes it from lawsuits or liability like you just can't sue them over those mm. um and then many you know some there's a general recommendation for children to get those vaccines suave goes on to say that there is still a scientific debate over whether children actually need a COVID vaccine. So yeah. I would be proceeding very carefully here because um, 
there is a lot of debate over whether children need this vaccine. And the other vaccines which children do need could come to under more scrutiny as people, people are going to say, some people are going to say, wait, you're saying I have to get COVID for my kid. I don't believe that. That's not true. I'm not going to do it. Brianna Joy Gray says that while she doesn't want to seem like a conspiracy theorist, she says that in her opinion, shielding the COVID vaccine so soon after its creation seems political. Look, I think that it is kind of on its face troublesome to include a vaccine like COVID, which, and this isn't, you know, casting aspersions or conspiracy mongering. It just has not existed as long. It doesn't have as much testing behind the long-term effects of subsequent vaccines and boosters as a lot of these other uh, vaccines Mm -hmm. that are already on the register, right? It just, it is not in that world. It was a vaccine that was developed quickly to meet an emergency. So glad it was developed quickly to meet that emergency. But as time goes on, more scrutiny should be applied to the vaccine to make sure that it is doing what it's supposed to be doing and doesn't have long-term effects that were unpredictable right. and that which frankly didn't seem to be as significant as the crisis we were needing to get through. Obviously over time we have to have more scrutiny on these kinds of things. So immediately immunizing it from lawsuit at this immunizing it, <laughs> immediately yeah. shielding it yeah, from, yeah. from lawsuit at this stage seems to be very premature and right. political. More than half of all registered voters see the mainstream media as a threat to American democracy. That's according to a new poll and details and inside the numbers is our Daybreak Insider, Bernie Bennett. A New York Times Siena College poll published Tuesday found 59 percent of voters view the media as a major threat to democracy, while 25 percent said the press is a minor threat and only 15 percent said they pose no threat. The divide fell sharply along partisan lines with 87 percent of voters who supported former President Trump in 2020 indicating they view the media as a major threat, while 33 percent of Biden voters during that election cycle say the same thing. Overall, 71 percent of voters agree that democracy is under threat, while only 7 percent of voters rank a threat to democracy as a major issue this midterm election cycle. Bernie Bennett reporting. This week, President Biden released 15 million more barrels of oil from the U.S. Strategic Reserve in order to try and calm a volatile market when Europe imposed its embargo on Russian oil. While Biden has rejected the idea that the move is tied to politics, many pundits believe that he's telling frustrated voters ahead of the midterm elections that the White House does have the upcoming midterms in mind. With the political fortunes of Democrats in question, some political experts are saying the president's attempts are to help fellow Democrats more than spur production in the United States. One of those is Ed Morrissey, managing editor at Hot Air and host of The Ed Morrissey Show. He joins the Daybreak Insider podcast to discuss the upcoming midterms and the key races that Americans should keep an eye on. Morrissey explains to us why some polling data seems to conflict this election cycle. Well, first off, I think what you have to look at is that these pollsters generally, I think, are missing the political environment in which um, in which we're operating this time around. It's a very unusual political uh, climate. We haven't had inflation at this level in the, in the middle of an election in over 40 years. It's been 42 years since we've seen this kind of um, economic environment in an election cycle. Uh, that was a presidential election, but this, of course, is still a national election. And uh, that type of 
dynamic, I think, is something that people are not modeling for when they're when they're building these polling models. And secondly, I think as as we get closer to election day, we're already starting to see these poll numbers shift towards the Republicans. And I suspect that this is not a last minute shift. There may be a little bit of that, but I think what this is is basically a bolster shift of recalculating their models based on what the actual likely voter turnout is going to be. And so I think what you're seeing now is uh, you're seeing that on the generic congressional ballot polling mostly at the moment, but I think it's going to start showing up in the individual races as well. And I think, again, I think this is going to be a, a situation like in 2014 where pollsters just really completely missed the political environment and all of their calculations were off as a result. So why is President Biden skipping major campaign events? He's a deeply unpopular president. And in fact, the one thing I'm working on at the moment is some commentary on one that he did show up in, which was Pennsylvania. He showed up for John Fetterman, who's basically not doing a lot of campaigning for himself at all. And so Biden showed up in Pennsylvania to campaign for Fetterman. And I'm wondering what anybody was thinking about that. Biden, that may be his birth state, but he is not a popular man in any of the polls in Pennsylvania. And tying Fetterman to an unpopular president is probably not the last minute look that Team Fetterman needs, even if they think they want it. I think it's a really bad mistake on their part. When it comes to the chances Republicans have of flipping the House, Morrissey tells us the headwinds seem to be in favor of the GOP. They're going to flip the House. I mean, I don't even think that that's much of a that, that's not even much of a reach. They only need five five seats to flip it anyway. But I think that. Probably the over-under here is going to be 25 seats. And one thing to remember about this is that Republicans already have 212 seats in the House, right? They picked up, I think it was either 14 or 16 in 2020. And and that that was unusual. I'm not sure that I know of an election where a party won a first-term presidency in the same election that they actually lost seats in the House. And so it was already unusual. But that means that Republicans already have sort of the low-hanging fruit, as Jim Garrity put it, over at NRO. Uh, so if they pick up 25 seats, I mean, that's still a pretty good uh, number. It, just to give it a comparison, in 2010, they had 188 House seats, and they picked up, I think, 63. So in this particular case, you're already, uh, what, about 34 seats, excuse me, 24 seats um, into that. So if you pick up another, if you pick up another you know, uh, 39 seats, let's say, then you're sort of hitting the same level as you did in uh, in terms of overall House seats uh, in the 2010 election. So I think if you're above 25, it's a, it's a really good cycle for Republicans. And if you're above 35, it's a, it's a wipeout for, for Democrats. Morrissey goes on to explain that for Democrats to lean on the issue of abortion only weeks away from the election is probably not the best idea. I think it's a backfire in two ways. First off, they're talking about an issue that is really not front and center for most voters. Um, and, I mean, Republicans made the same mistake to a, to a lesser extent four years ago in 2018 because they were talking about the border um, rather than talking about health care, which is what Democrats were talking about. And after the Republicans had sort of uh, fouled up the repeal of Obamacare, people were feeling very unsettled about health care, and Republicans just didn't have any messaging on it. So they hammered on on the border, even though Donald Trump had already promised to fix it. And they just ended up talking past voters. I think the Democrats are doing the same thing here, but it's 
so it's a, it's a but it's going to backfire in another way, which is all this talk about abortion is focused is making media focus on what Democrats' policies are on abortion, and their policy is so extreme, you know, no restrictions at all to the moment of birth, that only about 15 to 20 percent of Americans actually agree with it. And so now you have all of these uh, candidates in the House and Senate having to dance around that on an issue that they brought up. Uh, I think it was a huge mistake. On the other hand, I don't think that they could talk about the economy <laughs> anyway. That would have helped them either. So I'm not sure necessarily that they had a good option. Morrissey takes a look at key races around the country and tells us he believes Americans should pay attention to these. The House is I wouldn't actually focus on the House. I think the House, you can you can pick it and choose a few um, a few races in the House. I think most people are going to be looking at the Senate and maybe some of the gubernatorial races, right? So, I mean, I think you're looking at Nevada in the Senate. I think you're looking at Pennsylvania in the Senate. This uh, Mehmet Oz-John Fetterman race, I think, is going to be really interesting. Uh, I think in terms of gubernatorial races, you're looking at Arizona, maybe in the Senate race there as well, uh, you know, with uh, uh, Carrie Lake uh, going up against uh, Katie Hobbs. And that seems to be turning in the Republicans' favor over the last couple of weeks. And I think Democrats really uh, messed that up by having Hobbs refuse to debate Lake. I think it really has backfired on them there. Uh, and, you know, Georgia is going to be interesting, too, because Georgia is a tight-run state. Brian Kemp is going to walk away with the gubernatorial race. And the question is, is how big his coattails might be for Herschel Walker, especially after Herschel Walker did a you know, pretty good job in that debate. I think he may have made voters a lot more comfortable with him, in which case that may go Republicans' way. And again, if you're in the middle of a huge wave election, you know some of these things are just going to get pulled along with that, and the Senate races might be among those. We thank Ed Morrissey for joining us on the Daybreak Insider podcast, and you can read more from Ed at hotair.com or follow him on Twitter at Ed Morrissey. Starbucks is selling its Seattle's best coffee brand to Nestle for an undisclosed amount. Daybreakers, Daybreak insider John Scott with more on what's percolating inside the coffee business. Switzerland-based Nestle has been in a partnership with Seattle-based Starbucks since 2018. It already distributes Starbucks-branded coffee in more than 80 markets worldwide. The company said acquiring Seattle's best will offer customers more choice. Nestle also owns the Nescafe, Nespresso, and Blue Bottle coffee brands. Starbucks acquired Seattle's Best Coffee in 2003 for $72 million. Starbucks and Nestle say they expect the deal to close by the end of this year. John Scott reporting. And finally... Ripping my flesh off. Son, uh, roll around. Did you hear me? Roll around on the ground. In Massachusetts, a woman had a strange way to stop sheriff's deputies from carrying out a court-ordered eviction. According to reports, Rory Woods allegedly pulled up to the home where the eviction was taking place and unleashed hundreds of bees from hives she had brought. Multiple deputies were stung before they could arrest Woods. 
She has since been charged with four counts of felony assault and battery with a dangerous weapon, three counts of felony assault with a dangerous weapon, and disorderly conduct. That's a misdemeanor. Hampton County Chief Deputy Sheriff Robert Hoffman says deputies were only doing their duty on October 12th when they were assaulted by the eviction protester who released the swarm of bees. The um, parameters or the specifics of, you know, Mr. King's situation uh, related to his ownership of his house or lack thereof is really not something for us to delve into. You know, we have a court order that's been presented to us and it's our job to uh, effectuate that court order and we're gonna do so as professionally uh, as possible. Sheriff Hoffman went on to say that Woods faces multiple assault and battery charges for releasing the swarm during that eviction in Longmeadow, Massachusetts. Frank, allergic to bees. Me too. They're huge and they're stink crazy. We'll, we'll come back later and check on you. Yeah, no, uh, save yourself. Your firearms are useless against them. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.